Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Music, Money, and Life podcast. This podcast, as always, is brought to you by HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. If you're interested in learning how to make money licensing your music into television shows, video games, commercials, advertisements, and more, visit HowToLicenseYourMusic.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Music, Money, and Life podcast. I'm really excited today. I'm speaking with Scott Kirby from musicrevolt.org. And Scott, I thought I would uh, just let you explain what uh, musicrevolt.org is all about. Absolutely, Aaron. I'd love to. um, Musicrevolt.org is a website uh, designed to kind of introduce people to a really obscure law called the Paola Law, which is really misunderstood and that most people haven't heard of, to explain why it came into being and how we feel it really disrupts the business um, synchronicity between the music industry and the broadcasting industry, not only terrestrial radio, but streaming sites too. And the other part of it that's interesting is we talk about price And basically what that is is that when you go to an MP3 Apple iTunes store, Amazon, you'll notice that every song is the same price, 99 cents or a buck 29. Well, that violates the market economy. And every streaming site, whether it's Spotify or Google Play or um, Apple or Rhapsody, they're all 9.99 a month. Well, that's price fixing too. So it's a site that addresses those two issues and how um, we should all look at those and try to make the music industry play fair in essence. Awesome, Scott. Uh, that sounds great. Let's uh, let's jump right into it. Scott, are you the founder of the website? Did, was this your idea? It came about through me working at various facets of the music industry, facets, and finding out that they were really dysfunctional and that the music industry had some serious problems. So I started talking to more and more people who were unhappy with it, and I thought Music Revolt was a good name because there's a lot of musicians there that want to start a little bit of a revolution. So that's why I called it that. This is kind of what I live for. Um, I My most important quest goal in life is before they bury me six feet under is to have the music industry flourish the way I think it should flourish because what the internet does, it removes all the real major costs that the record label occurred before. I mean, they had to make CDs, right, or cassettes or vinyl records, just a giant headache. Then they had to put them in trucks and, and, and trains and send them all over the country, another giant headache. Then they had to inventory them in stores and then put returns back and headache. And now we have the internet, Aaron, and there's yeah. these problems have all gone away. And yet for some reason, the internet should have been the, of the biggest blessing to the music industry ever, but it's turned out to be its undoing. And so, well, I'm, yeah, that, that that's it's it's interesting, right? It's ironic. It's like on one hand, the internet is is great because it sort of levels the playing field, but it also allows people to basically listen to any music they want for free. So it sort of discourages people from buying music, right? Well, see, um, I have a very good friend named John Brody, and John uh, started a company with me called uh, um, Fair Air Communications. And John, who worked for Giant and, and BCN in Boston as radio station, and you know, talked to David Geffen, you know. But long story short, he says people generally, and I believe it in what he says, people have a moral compass. And and John says, and I agree that if you gave people a fair legal way to get money to artists, I think they would. I think, Aaron, that, that most 
consumers of music, A, know, even intrinsically, even if they don't know about price fixing, they know there's something screwy with the price structure. That's number one. And number two, I think they think when I give money to this, whoever it is, most of that money is not getting to the artists that I want to support. So they really don't want to to support any current system. But I think if you gave them a way that they had some assurance that the money that they were spending was going to the artists that they wanted to support, I think they'd be much more inclined to, to want to pay into a legal system to, to pay uh, money for music um, and send it to the artists. That's what I think. Hmm. So you think if there was a system, but what would that system look like? What what sort of system are you talking about? Okay. What getting into the payola law? What the payola law did? It it made a dysfunctional relationship between the people that make music and the people that distribute it, and so it made the costs to manufacture and market music very very expensive, and it made it very time consuming. So I say, Aaron, if you get rid of this law or revise it, I think what happens is is that the you get roles and goals settled. In other words, the the role of the radio industry and now the streaming industry, which is Spotify, Pandora, Google Play, and now the Apple iTunes uh, streaming service, their goal is to say we want to help you, artist, if you've got a thousand fans. Uh, increase that to up that to 10,000 fans and then to 50,000 fans and to 100,000 fans. See, but but if the payola law there, it took the distributors out of the music industry. It didn't intend to do that, but that was the, the side effect of that. That was the unintended consequences. So I think the music industry would be much more efficient if the payola law wasn't there. And, and I believe strongly that there would be already a system in place that most people would accept and pay for. Let me summarize it best what Kevin Spacey, the actor, said about the film industry. He's done a lot of stuff with Netflix, uh, House of Cards and such. He said the reason why the film industry is successful is because they give people what they want, when they want, at the price they want to pay. Well, what's the difference in the, in the film industry and the music industry? There's no payola law in the film industry. So the film industry works great. The synergy between the people that make films and the people that distribute it is clear cut and they have clearly defined roles and goals. But that's not the case in the music industry. Yeah, it seems like there's a couple key differences, though, because it, it seems like, number one, with the film industry, I mean, they're, they're similar in the sense that you can certainly go online and watch movies. You can stream movies for free and not pay for them, but you can't really – I mean, it's sort of like the analogy is, is the live concert experience and the experience of seeing a movie in a movie theater. You can't really duplicate the experience of seeing a movie in a movie theater online, which is why I think people still – go to movies right because they still want that experience so it seems like the film industry is doing well because because of that the concert industry is actually still really is i think the last couple of years have been some of the highest grossing years on record for for live music so it seems like that aspect of the music business is healthy the, i mean the problem that i see and maybe you can talk about how payola kind of ties into this is with the internet, you can essentially listen to anything you want. I mean, pretty much anything is at the tip of, of your fingers. You can go to YouTube, almost any music you want to hear, you can hear for free, you can stream music for free. So it seems like, and I wrote this blog post about this a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, it seems like that, the way I see it at least, and, and I certainly don't claim to have all the answers, but it seems like the problem with the music industry is that there's very little incentive for consumers to pay for music because they simply don't have to. And I actually, I'm not sure that I agree with you. I, I made the point in my article that I think consumers basically want 
what they want at the cheapest price they they can get it. That's kind of how I see it. It's it's like you you see stores like Walmart that that have flourished over the years and put out all these mom and pop stores. It's it's not that consumers like I I guess my point is I don't know that consumers do care that much. I feel like people just want what they want. Maybe my view of humanity is a little more pessimistic than yours. <laughs> Yeah, I, I might, you might be a little more cynical than me. See, I think that, that people, and a lot of artists I've read believe this. Um, one of them was Courtney Love, who, who has done some interviews on this. She might be a strange girl but uh, and a very funny actress. But a lot of artists think, you know what? If there was a tip jar and, art, and fans could support me via a tip jar kind of atmosphere, I think most of my fans would actually give me money. I think most fans, and maybe I am less cynical, I think most fans of music would really like to support the artist and, and give them money. I think that's why they go to shows. They also want to be entertained, but I think they also want to find some way to support the artist that they like. To say, we know that if you're not making any money, you can't keep making the music you make. And I love the music you make, and my friends do too. So if you're not getting any money, you're going to stop making it. We want to be able to support you and give you money. So I think – I. I you and I maybe um, don't agree on this. I think if fans are given a legal choice, I think they would support Mars artists because they realize we like this artist. We like their music. We want to give them money. We want to keep them making art. And if they don't have any money and they have to quit their music job and work as a Walmart greeter or a McDonald's burger flipper, they're not going to have time to make music anymore. And we like their music. We want them to keep producing music. So we want to give them money. So don't they? Don't consumers already have that choice? Can't they go to to a band's website and buy their music uh, directly from their website, or from iTunes, or from Amazon, or from? I mean, there's there's a myriad of of options in terms of how to to buy music. It doesn't seem like that's the problem from my perspective. It just seems like consumers just aren't interested in, in doing that. This is a very good point you bring up. See, if they go to Amazon.com, and if you're talking about downloading songs, they have to spend 99 cents a song. And if they go to iTunes, they also have to spend 99 cents a song or $1.29 a song. So if you are a kid and you're, you got an iPod Shuffle, which is a two-gigabyte model, and you download three or 400 songs in your iPod Shuffle at three or four megabytes per as if you listen to that music for three or four months and then say, I want to refresh that music and put download some new MP3s, and you fill that, that iPod shuffle up, Aaron, you're going to have to spend 400 bucks. Dude, I don't think that's realistic. I don't think anybody's going to want to spend $400 to refresh the music. I think there's got to be an economic way that makes more sense to encourage music fans to want to spend money for artists. Yeah, but artists can sell their music directly to con con consumers for whatever price they want. I mean, what, what, why as a band could you not just set up your own shopping cart on your website? And I mean, if you think, it, I'm not, I want to make sure I follow your argument. If you think that music is too expensive, bands could, can, can certainly record their own music and, and release it at, at whatever price they want right now. What's, what's stopping them from doing that? I'll tell you. Um, when you're and I'm talking going, about I'm talking about independent bands. Obviously, if you're on a major label, then then obviously you you your hands are tied. Yeah, it's true. Um, if you uh, have your kitchen empty and you've eaten all the food in your cupboards and your refrigerators bare, and you go to a supermarket, in the supermarket 
you can go to the fruit and produce aisle and pick up lemons and oranges and pears. And then you walk down 15 feet and turn to the left and you can buy yogurt and cottage cheese and milk. And you can do a left and you can buy uh, curry or raisins or grapes or anything else you want. In other words, it's one-stop shopping. See, people don't want to go to one website and buy a band song and then go to another website and buy another band song and then go to yet another website and buy another band song. That's not how any other industry in the whole world works, Aaron. And I don't think it works for the music industry either. People don't want that. It doesn't, it, that's not the way it works for any other industry. Why would it be practical and sensible for the music industry to work that way? Um, so I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm following your, your, your argument. So are you saying, are, are you essentially saying that music is too expensive? You think music, you think albums should cost less? And if they did, people would, would buy more? Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? You're, you're making some great points. See, there has been so much messed up, screwed up dysfunction in the music industry, and it has lasted so long. The hole the music industry is in is so deep, it's going to take years and a long time to dig out of it. The moral of the story is there has been an entire generation of people, mostly kids, that do think – they can go to YouTube or, or find music on the Internet that's free, and they don't want to pay for it. All this mess happened because of the giant gap between the original Napster that came out with Sean Fanning and the first legal store that happened with Apple's iTunes when Steve Jobs came out with his 99-cent store, which took four years. And in that span, okay, they got rid of the original Napster, but then Kaza sprang up and Grokster and Pirate Bay and all these endless variations – and unfortunately, people were trained that music's free. So I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's going to be a very difficult road to retrain people to support musicians. But again, the first step is giving them a fair legal way to pay for music. And I think maybe with some reshaping of the way people view the music industry, they might be into doing that. But I'm not – Aaron, you're completely right. It's going to be a real road to hoe because the music industry has been so screwed up for so long. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, I totally respect where you're coming from. I'm just not convinced that that's the problem with with the music industry. I, because I think if people really cared, I mean, I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Certainly, the average consumer is not aware of price fixing. But I don't, th I, I don't know that the problem is really pricing. I mean, it seems to me a buck a song is a pretty reasonable, pretty reasonable fee. Ten bucks an album. I mean, people were paying more. 15 or 20 years ago cds were 16 18 when cds came out and they were selling like hotcakes you know there were platinum albums left and right in the 80s and 90s so i'm not convinced that that that's the problem it, it seems like itunes and amazon seems like that's a pretty legit way to buy music and like i said if artists really wanted to release their music for for less they have a way to way to do that it doesn't seem i mean are we really that lazy as consumers that we can't spend 5 seconds to type in a url hit buy now is i mean it, it, do you know what i mean it doesn't seem like it's that yeah, much well, work if if people really wanted to you know per your way of thinking if they really wanted to support their artists it seems like there's already a, a, a way to do that now i'm just not convinced that enough of them really want to well, let me ask you this. If you – when you went to a store and you wanted to buy eggs, you bought the eggs, you'd check out, and then you'd have to get in your car and drive another mile if you wanted to buy yogurt. And then you'd have to get in your car leave that store, go another five miles to buy wine, 
And yeah, then you yeah, have to... your analogy doesn't really hold true because the the internet isn't like that. You type in a URL, it takes a couple seconds. You go to another URL, it's a few more seconds. So I don't. But it's still different stores, Aaron. It's still different stores. You still have to go to – I, I want to see an industry where you go to one URL, and, and besides, you're saying a dollar is not that much. But remember the, the iPod Shuffle? If you mm-hmm. filled up that iPod Shuffle, it's going to cost you 300 bucks, and the labels aren't doing anything. So yeah. I'm saying well, – Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm just saying if the original Napster came along, the record label should have had the sense to go – we're not doing anything. There's billions of music files being exchanged every week on peer-to-peer sites. Why don't we just let people do this and say, if you want to do this, just pay five bucks a month and you can listen to all the music you want. And they would have made so much money. It's incredible, Aaron. But they didn't do that. Right. They tried to make the whole process illegal and started suing people. Right. I think that and was a really bad thing to do. Yeah, And I think a- that... That's what yeah. they did initially, but now there's legal Napster, there's Rhapsody, there's, um, you know, there's several services that do exactly what you're saying, which is you. I mean, there's Spotify is a great example. You pay a, a monthly fee and you listen to as much as you want. So, it just doesn't seem like that model is that lucrative. It doesn't seem like it really supports the the artist um, sufficiently. But Aaron, all those prices you just mentioned are nine dollars ninety nine cents, aren't they not? Per month. Right. Yeah. That's price fixing. That's not legal. Right. So what what are what are you proposing that they they charge more or that they charge less? I'm just I'm I'm trying to follow I'm, your your argument. I'm trying to ch- get them to charge whatever they want so the average person instead of paying that money uh, or, or instead of getting the music for free actually decides they want to support the system. Right. So if the average person doesn't want to spend 10 bucks a month, they go for Netflix, it's 7.99 a month and I know that films are probably 100 to 200 times more expensive than make than a song. So right. shouldn't the music equivalent of that be less expensive, not more? Aaron, here in the year 2020, according to Forrester Research, there will be 5 billion people throughout the globe who either have smartphones or internet access. Mm-hmm. So let's say they cut their price in half and they charge five bucks, right? Yeah. If they got one fifth of that amount, that would be $60 billion a year. That's three times more than the music industry has ever been. I'm just saying, why don't they try that? Why don't they give okay. it a shot? Um, <clears throat> yeah, but t- I mean, why is that not possible today? Couldn't a, like hypothetically, couldn't a new company form approach record labels and, and offer that model? I mean, is it? Yeah. Right. So it's not it's it's is it price fixing or is it just these particular companies like iTunes and Rhapsody these are the prices that they've they've arrived at right and record just, and record labels have agreed to Aaron think about this do you think it's just a, a strange coincidence that every one of the streaming services just magically uh, 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 decided they're going to all charge the exact same price no, no, no. I'd say that if they want to do that, the major labels that own most of the copyrights for the song say, if you want to do this, you've got to charge what we tell you to charge. Otherwise, they would be given a huge advantage if they charge eight ninety nine, 
And then the next one would charge $7.99. And that would be the legal free market economy because there'd be competition in the marketplace. But there is no competition. They charge $9.99. And again, all the, the collusion is price fixing behind closed doors. So I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but I'll bet the reason they charge $9.99 is because they're forced to or they couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, sell their wares in the marketplace. Gotcha. And there's, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say there's no fixed price for apples. How much is a bag of apples? Well, depends on where you are. How much is a gallon of gas? Depends on where you are. That's the way it is with every single product except the music industry. I know how much MP3 downloads are. There are 99 cents and a buck 29. That's because the prices are fixed. It's not legal. I know how much streaming sites are. They're $9.99. There's no alternative. There's no recourse to sell them at any other price or people would. Because they'd be given a a huge advantage in the marketplace if they sold the the products for less. People would go there. That's how our economy is supposed to work. I think you bring up some really good points, Scott. I I feel like – I hope I'm not being too combative with you. I feel like – No. Oh, no. You're being great. Okay. Good. Good. I'm I'm just trying – Can I give you a little analogy? Yeah, sure. If you go find an oyster, you'll find that the irritant in the oyster is what makes the pearl. So I appreciate what you're doing. You're 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 saying I don't think you're right, Scott. I I don't agree with that. That's good. That makes a pearl. I, I think it's great. I'm not just saying that I don't think you're right. I I think some of the some of these issues I'm not as familiar with as you are, and that's what I told Anissa when she when you guys originally approached me is that I wanted a little time to research some of these topics. So some yeah. of the, these things like price fixing and um, payola, to be honest, I'm not super familiar with. So I appreciate you sort of enlightening me. Um, but I just, I, I feel like maybe I look at the music industry a little bit differently. I, I feel like, you know, like sort of the point I made in this blog post I wrote a couple months ago is that, you know, in the eighties in and nineties, like when I was growing up a, as a kid, you heard music on the radio, right. And, and obviously the recording industry, there were problems back then, but it worked. The business model worked in the sense that you heard music if you liked it. And like, if you heard a Prince song or a Madonna song or whatever, and you really liked it and you wanted to hear it again, you had two choices. You could either wait for it to come on the radio a day or two later, maybe, you know, if you caught it at the, at the right time, right station at the right time, or you went and bought the CD. And I had a ton of CDs as a kid. I had a huge CD collection growing up and, you know, into my, my early twenties until I eventually, you know, moved away from CDs. But it seemed like that model worked so well because, the radio was like the perfect sort of promotional tool. You, you, you heard a song, you liked it, and then you had to go buy, buy the CD. Maybe you made a tape or, a, or a, a, you know, you burned a CD for your friend. But with the Internet, like it just changed the game entirely because now if you hear a song you like, you can go on YouTube or you can go on Spotify or you can go on all these, these, these services and essentially hear it for nothing. And I guess my premise is that consumers – I mean, I just know from my own personal experience too, I don't buy that much music anymore and I'm an artist and I support musicians and I, you know, I make a living educating musicians, but I don't buy as much music as I used to because I don't have to. And I feel like a lot of consumers sort of, they're, they're operating from a real simple premise of give me what I want for as little as I want. Maybe there's some really dedicated fans, you know, I'm like, I'm a huge fan of the band Fish, so I go see them live. I, I buy... Uh, I web live stream their concerts. I spend money on them because I love their music. So if you're obviously if you're really into a band, you're going to spend money on them. But I just feel like the essential flaw in your argument is that maybe you're giving consumers a little too much credit. 
now with that said, Scott, if there was a way, and this was sort of what I suggested in my article, if there was a way for the recording industry to to really incentivize buying music again. In other words, I think Spotify is a is a bad model. Like, why let people stream music for free? Uh, indefinitely it just doesn't make sense to me you, you know wh- why don't you have services like spotify essentially function like radio stations play a song once or twice and if artists you know refuse to let their music be used on youtube like if you know like i think taylor swift made a really good choice she pulled all their music from spotify she's like if you want it go buy it i think if more artists and labels thought from that perspective maybe people would would buy music again well taylor swift said if you want my music go buy it Go buy it where? I'm assuming from her website, from stores, if people are still buying CDs, from anywhere that, that well, you buy music. Well, that's the thing. Physical product is going away. So I think Taylor Swift is completely right, too. We, we agree on that. What, what I would like to see is, is these streaming services generate more money and pay people like Taylor Swift way more money because she deserves it. If Taylor Swift is writing her own song and singing it and hiring the musicians and paying them and producing them, then she deserves, I don't know, take a guess, 80 or 90% of the money. And she pulled her, her songs off Spotify because she said, like Portis said and so many other bands, I'm getting millions of streams per year and you're sending me and my bandmates a check for $3,943 a year. That's ridiculous. And I agree yeah. with them. But remember yeah. what I said about Forrester Research Group. If there's 5 billion people in, in, the, in the globe, around the globe, that either have cell phones or online access, they are perfect candidates to be music customers. Yeah. If you could get one-fifth of them, Aaron, to pay 5 bucks a month, again, do the math, 5 times 12, 60. That's $60 billion. Yeah. Aaron, if you cut that in half and gave musicians $30 billion, that would be way more money. I'm saying – you're saying I automatically decided that with the current system that people would rather get the music for free. I agree with you. I think they would. Why don't we just for the fun of it try to give them a legal music market and then see if they take it for free? I think most fans, as Courtney Love said, uh, who's Kurt Cobain's wife and the lead singer of Hole, bass player, whatever she played guitar, she said, I think most bands would prefer to support me. I agree with her. Let's give the fans a fair way to support artists and then conclude that they'll, they only want to steal the music. We still haven't done that. We still haven't given them a fair legal way to support artists yet. Not yet. So who who is your message ultimately aimed at? Is it aimed at musicians or is it aimed at record labels? Like who are you ultimately trying to to persuade? It's not record labels because if you're talking about the three major labels, they don't want to go anywhere. They're, they're kind of obsolete dinosaurs, but they want to stay in place because they have all this control. It's mostly to artists to say you guys should have the option to sign deals like Prince did and and um, and well, Prince did, Fleetwood Mac did, Beyonce did with Tidal. Uh, Fleetwood Mac signed a deal with Clear Channel, a record label. I want to see artists be able to sign deals with whomever they want. Yeah. I also want to see fans be able to buy songs from a legal store that's not guilty of price fixing. If, if you go to iTunes, fans are going to go, well, every song's 99 cents. I don't know that much about the free market economy. I didn't take economics, but I know there's no other store in the world where that pertains, where they, if you go into a store and every single product in the store, if you go to a car dealership, you know, there's a different price if there's a Ferrari or, or a Toyota Celica. The, 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 the cars are different prices. Why is it when you go to a, a store that sells downloads like Amazon or Apple's iTunes store, 
every song is the same price. That's completely anti-capitalist. That's that's what the Russians did. That's but, price fixing. That's how World War One started because of price fixing in grain. That's not how we work in the United States of America. But is it price fixing, or are they doing it intentionally to fix prices, or is it just a, a much? It's probably, I imagine, a much more streamlined way to set up their system. If you, you know what I mean, I would imagine it's probably a much more confusing accounting system if you have different songs at, at different prices. Again, I'm just playing devil's advocate. It seems like it, it's you know maybe there's different reasons why they set it up that way that that aren't all ominous wouldn't it be the same if every gallon of gas was eight dollars a gallon around the country no matter where you were that would seem to apply to the same thing wouldn't it or if you went in and and each gallon of milk was eight dollars a gallon i mean it would be easier for price nobody would have to worry about the pricing Aaron, that's just not legal do you think artists should ultimately uh decide what they sell their their product for or do you think itunes how how would it work differently if if it could work the way you wish it worked? You asked a great question. The answer is yes. Artists should be able to determine how much their songs are. Okay, so so the problem is, Aaron, the Apple iTunes store is not only a bad deal for customers; it's a bad deal for artists because you sound like you're a musician. So am I. You know what I want? I want people to hear the music I make. So it would give me a great advantage to incentivize consumers to buy my music if instead of charging ninety nine cents a song, I charge twenty nine cents a song or thirty nine cents a song, and Apple would say, "Hey." These songs are all 99 cents a song, but here's some songs that are 9 cents a song or 5 cents a song or free maybe even yeah. or 29 cents a song. All of a sudden I go, hey, I want to hear that music. It's cheaper. That's yeah. how our American free market economy is supposed to work. Yeah, but but is it technically price fixing if it's just one company? Because, again, you could create – you could – hypothetically, it would obviously take a lot of capital and investors, but you could create a, a, a competing store – and charge whatever you want. What, what's stopping somebody from doing that? Because the major labels have all the publishing, or the vast majority of it, and they, Steve Jobs went to them after four years of complete dysfunction and said to the – it wasn't three then. I'm thinking when the Apple iTunes store, which was in like 2000, I think there were like five or six major labels left. The deal was, hey, if you want to sell your songs in our store, you're going to have to sell them at this price. So – I mean, just you answer this question, Aaron. How many other stores that sell any kind of merchandise all sell them at the same price other than the music industry? The floor is yours. Tell me one store. Uh, the dollar store. No, that's not true. You can buy four. or If you're talking about um, the 99-cent store, you can buy three or four uh, products for 99 cents, and most of those products are all available in other stores for different prices. They sell Coke for 99 cents at the dollar store or cheese, but you can also go and buy that same cheese in a bunch of other stores. The music industry tries to have a complete monopoly, a total cabal, a cartel, where everything, and that's the only place you can buy that product for 99 cents. Unless, again, my alternative is if you set up your own website and charge whatever you want, which, which, and by the way, I sort of see as the great hope for, for the internet is that it allows you to go directly to consumers. So I sort of envision a day where artists figure out how to directly target their fans, directly go to their audience, and either give their music away or charge whatever they deem appropriate for it. I understand your argument. You you think there's no? Be, I agree with it, you. Yeah, and, and, and Aaron, so, so I I sort of see that. What you said. Same, that's totally correct. Seems like the most logical 
way for artists to to kind of deal with this issue is just to go directly to consumers themselves. But obviously, the the you know raises a whole other series of questions, which is how do you build up a fan base? How do you how do you even get to a point where that's uh, uh, something you can do without the help of a record label or a company to get you to to that that next next level. So it's it's a bit of a catch twenty two, I guess. It's a conundrum, yeah. And but you're completely right. How do you start this when the most important link on the chain, step three, the people that distribute the music, establish relationships with the music fans and get their feedback because of the payola law weren't even in the music industry. So they have a real hey, don't look at us. We're not not even in the music industry. They have the most important job, and they're not even in the music industry because of the payola law. That's a terrible um, unintended consequence, excuse me, of the payola law, Aaron, that they took distributors out of the music industry. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about payola laws. How does that tie into uh, price fixing? Very good. Well, it doesn't. I mean, it's a totally different issue, but it's just as big of a problem. In fact, the payola law is the biggest problem in the music industry. It's why the music industry is so incredibly screwed up. So, According to the book by Kerry Seagrave, Paola in the Music Industry from 1880 to the Present, Paola went on in the music industry for decades after decades after decades. Finally, 1960 comes. Why – and I'm asking you a question. It's not, it's not a rhetorical question. I really want to know. Why do you think in 1960 they finally put the Paola Law on the books? I'll tell you. Because it had nothing to do with pay for play. The Paola Law was meant to stop Elvis Presley. The main guy behind the Paleo Law was a man named Emanuel Seller. I said verbatim. It's a sick quote by a sick guy, in my opinion. He said, rock and roll is okay for colored people. But for Elvis Presley and his animal gyrations, which are most distasteful to me, are everything I know to be in bad taste. And because of his opinion, he came up with his law. The law was actually meant to segregate music. But it had a very ugly, unintended consequence. It took radio out of the music industry. So if you're a band and that there was no payola law, you could bypass the labels and go straight to radio. In fact, that's what Fleetwood Mac did recently. They went straight to Clear Channel and they said Clear Channel reaches millions of people. And, and Clear Channel and Fleetwood Mac did a direct deal without a major label. And if there was no payola law, that would be happening in full swing. You would see that all over. In fact, the labels would be much smaller and they'd be much more efficient than they are right now. Okay, there's no payola law. That means the distributors, Aaron, are in the music industry. The payola law took them out of the music industry. It said that the radio industry cannot make money from the record industry because if they did, they might take the money and play bad music, bad music specifically being Elvis Presley because Emmanuel Seller and a lot of people, whether it was Frank Sinatra or Mitch Miller, the head of A&R at Columbia Records, they all hated this guy because he moved around and he wiggled around like Chuck Berry or, or uh, Little Richard. They hated that. Now, you can't even understand that probably because it's such a weird way to think that white people should play music in one way and black people should play music in another way. But these guys thought – that's the way it should be. So here comes Elvis Presley, and he's a white guy who moves around like a black guy. And they thought this was the ultimate in bad taste, and they thought they needed to wipe this guy off the planet. So they thought by making up a law that forbid the record labels and the radio stations to do business together, that that's what they'd achieve, that they'd wipe out Elvis Presley. But they were completely and totally wrong. So what they should have done was said, okay, this law is meant to level the playing field. It's meant to give – Little labels, 
with small amounts of money a chance to compete with Sony, Uni, and Warners, who have tons of money. But it never did that because Sony, Uni, and Warners have like 90% of the music on the major market radio stations comes from three, these three labels because they have all the money. So, so the reason behind the law, which was it level the playing field to give bands a chance with not too much money to have a fair chance, it failed because they don't have it. They don't have any chance at all. Online, oh. go to Google and and type in Emmanuel Seller, E M A N U E L C E L L A R, and Paola Law, and you'll find out why this law came into being. Okay, and what so- it. it Go ahead. No, I'm just. I want to. I'm not quite sure. I, f- I follow what what uh what you're what you're trying to do in terms of the payola law. What what is your objective? We're trying to say it's not doing what it intended to do. It's not giving independent artists a chance. The law was supposed to give independent artists without a bunch of money a chance to compete with the giant labels. You understand that? Sh- sure. It didn't do it. The, the, most of the music on the radio stations today that are big, giant artists come from the three labels that have all the money. Right. So it didn't level the playing field. So we're just saying, look at this law and let's let's revise it or amend it or revisit it and say, is this law doing what it intended to do? First of all, let's determine what it intended to do. And Aaron, listen, most people have never heard of the law. So you're in good company. You're, you, you agree with 99% of the people who've never heard of the law. And one of the things that musicrevolt.org wants to do is educate people to this law and what it tried to do. Do you feel like in 2015 that, that, that the radio is, is still it, – like it seems like this maybe would have been a bigger issue like 10 or 15 years ago when people – like I haven't – I don't think I've listened to a radio station in probably a decade. Do you, do you feel like the radio is still – does it play as big of a role now in terms of breaking artists as it, as it used to? It seems like it plays a much smaller role today. It, it still plays a big role, but you're completely right. And now they're talking about whether or not they're going to apply the payroll law onto streaming services. So is it a big issue? You bet, because it's also there's debates all over uh, the social media and political circles about whether they're going to take the pale a lot and cut and paste it and, and also apply it to streaming services that are germane to today. So you bet it's a huge deal because they're deciding whether or not they want to have it also apply to, to Spotify and Pandora and Google Play and Apple streaming. You see how relevant it is? Because it was a disaster for radio and it's also going to be a disaster for streaming services as well. So we've got to address it now. It's very, very important because otherwise they'll put it on streaming service and it will have equally the major disastrous result, which means the giant artists on the giant labels will get the vast majority of the attention because the law is not enforceable in any level. In fact, Aaron, what are lobbyists? Don't they do payola? Lobbyists go into our senators and congressmen and say, Hey, we want you to do this. We're with the gun lobby or we're with the petrochemical lobby or we're with the Friends of Israel or, or, you know, whatever. We're lobbyists. And if they go in and they talk to the senators and congressmen, the senators and congressmen don't want to do what they want them to do. They have the right to take out a checkbook and give them money to make them do what they want. That's ubiquitous in every facet of our society. So why isn't it also the way the music industry works? Let them play whatever crappy music they want if they get paid. They'll lose their audience, and then they'll start losing money. In fact, 
Aaron, it would be great if you went on musicrevolt.org and watched the the um, documentary Kill Switch. It's 33 minutes long, and you will learn a lot more about what I'm talking about if you'll go in and watch our little 33-minute documentary. It'll all make a lot more sense to you. You know, we're talking about the means to an end. I'll bet our end values are the same. At least I think they are. You're, if you're a musician and you write and you perform and somebody plays your song and millions and millions of people hear that song, don't you want to be compensated for, for your your role in that whole thing? Absolutely. If you wrote I mean, the song? I mean, uh, absolutely. Of, of, well, that's of, what of I course. want. Yeah, sure. That's what no. we want. No, I, no, absolutely. I th I think we have the same goals. I'm just I like to play devil, devil's advocate because I, I think there are. I love it. I, I think it like it, it's such a complicated, multifaceted topic. You know, when you're talking about the music industry and why it's kind of collapsing, I think there's a lot of variables that go into it. I think you're bringing up some really good points. Um, and you, you know, I think price fixing again, it's not something I'm super familiar with, but it makes sense to me what you're you're saying. Like you said, in any in other industry, you 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 can't do that. But I'm just not convinced that even if you could fix that, that that would necessarily fix the um, the lagging record sales. It seems like that has more to do with technology and and the internet. Payola, that's a that's that it's another in interesting issue um, that I'm sure has affected a, a lot of artists. Um, but but again, it's it's like. How how do you weed out cor corruption? It seems like there's going to be corruption in in, in any system, um, but obviously you have to fight for for the most kind of equitable system possible. Absolutely true. Um, your your comments are all completely spot on. You're exactly right. How do you weed out corruption? And the fact is you can't. But here's the scoop: if 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 the pill law goes away, every streaming service, and again, it's just like the film industry. It, 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 all, Netflix are not just curators and aggregators. They also produce their own content, right? Yeah. And the reason they do that, Aaron, is that there's no payola law in right. the film industry. If you got rid of the law, the music industry would wind up being just like the film industry but on steroids. Bands wouldn't sign with major labels. They'd go around them and deal directly with the people that distribute their music. But see, with the payola law… It's made the people that do that valuable work amateurs. It's made music to them occupational hobbies. So it's, there's no vested interest in them to go to a band and say, we like your music. We believe in it. How many fans do you have, group? And the group goes, we've got a 1,000 fans, or we make $1,000 every month. And th they, they would go to that band and say, we like your music. We believe in you. If we change your fortunes so that instead of making 1000 bucks a month, you make $50,000 a month. Would you share five or eight or ten percent of that profit with us? Well, every band would go, well, sure, we're making way more money. So, of course, they would. But that whole dynamic is gone because of the payola iron, because those people that would do that job have learned over the course of decade after decade that they can't do that because it violates the payola law. The payola law says, in essence, is that the people that distribute the music can't make any money because if they did make money, they play bad music. And again, go in and look at the documentary and read up and Google about it, and you'll find out that that was all to try to squash Elvis Presley. As strange as it sounds, yeah. that's why the payola law came in. That's why 80 years went by from 1880 when Kerry Seagrave wrote his book to 1960. That's why 80 years went by when all of a sudden in 1960, then they come up with the pill law. The pill law was not meant to stop pay for play. It was meant to stop Elvis Presley. Gotcha. And, and inadvertently, because of the, this law, you're saying that now essentially 
uh, radio stations have to deal directly with rec- record labels. They can't uh, deal directly with, with artists. Is that essentially what, what happened? Good question. Actually, more and more of them are dealing direct with artists because our government doesn't really understand the payola law either. That's why Fleetwood Mac signed a deal directly with Clear Channel. And Jay-Z signed a deal directly with a, with a cell phone company. Um, uh, I forgot which cell phone company, but one of the cell phone companies. So, so more and more artists are trying to get around the label so they can sign a deal directly, a deal directly with the distributor. But the reason they're not doing that in a far more amplified way than, than they are currently is because of this law that was on the books for the, the last 60 years called the Pale Law, which said that the people that do that cannot make money from it. So it generally forced people to sign with the major labels because they have, excuse me, a much better chance of succeeding if they sign a deal with the major labels because the major labels use their money to, to get around it and they whine and dine the program directors and the general managers and they yeah. bring their bands in for tour. You can't stop it, Aaron. It's impossible. Yeah. They use their money to influence it because the government really doesn't have any incentive or any need to enforce it anyway, but right. they'll leave it on the books until it somehow gets overturned. Our government doesn't do the right thing. They do the expedient thing. They do right. the easy thing. And right now it's easier to leave the pill on the books because they don't want to overturn it because, you know, if they do that, they'll admit they made a mistake. And as long as the public doesn't know about it, they're just going to leave it on the books and the music industry is going to be completely dysfunctional. Yeah, I mean, isn't that sort of what, why artists need record labels in, in the first place is that they have relationships and connections in money? Isn't it more about relationships with program directors than, like, how, how would eliminating the payola law, how would that sort of improve that whole equation? I'll tell you, because everyone that distributes music, let's, let's stay Spotify. Spotify is still got the black cloud of payola because they've looked at the record in the radio industry for the last 60 years and they've kind of, kind of adopted some of their tendencies. But let's say it became clear that a radio station could make money off a band. Mm-hmm. They would take a little band without a record label and they'd say to this band, if we reach millions of people with our radio station, let's say it's Clear Channel or Chancellor Broadcasting, mm-hmm. some huge radio group, we can turn tons of people on to your music. If we help you make money, would you share some of that money with us? The artist would go, you bet. The radio would make money. The artist would make money, and there's no record label in sight. Because, Aaron, let's face it. When you hear a great song on the radio, or you're on Spotify or Pandora, and you hear a great song, you don't know if it's on a record label. You don't care. You just know if you like the music, right? Right. That's all that matters. So if if there was a legal way for you to financially support that band – that would be great because if the band didn't sign a, a, lab, a label deal, but they signed it with a distributor, most of the money would hopefully go to the distributor, and then they'd take better care of the bands than Uni, Sony, and Warners do. Got you. So by eliminating this law, you would allow artists to work directly with record labels. Record labels could could legally monetize those relationships and essentially bypass record labels. Well, you said sign directly with record labels, and what you meant was sign directly with the distributors. And if you get rid of the payola lot, that's what happens. Bands don't have to sign with the record labels anymore. They get signed directly with the distributors. And yes, that's what we want. And again, that's exactly what the film industry does, right? House of Cards or Orange is the New Black or Bloodlines, there's tons of them, and Amazon does too. They signed a deal directly with, with Netflix. They bypassed Orion and Warner's and all the film studios and said, 
we're going to sign directly with the people that distribute our films. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want the music industry to be. And if you got rid of the payola law, then that's what would happen. Remember, Aaron, there's no payola law in the film industry and nobody's waving a crooked finger at Netflix and going, you guys are, are that's a vested interest. You, you're self-dealing. You know, yeah. you, you have a, you have a, uh, an incentive to promote your films. Nobody's saying that. And that's what would happen in the music industry too. Nobody would say to, uh, net or to Spotify or Pandora or any radio group, Hey, you're, you're self-dealing. All they, all they care about is if they'd like the music, if they'd like it, they'd support it. If we can give them a legal fair way to charge for that music. And as we talked about, with collusion, there is no fair and legal way because what's happening is, is that all the prices are fixed and that violates market economy guidelines. In the free market economy, prices are determined by supply and demand and competition. The prices in the music industry on the streaming sites and Apple's and Amazon's MP3 sites are not determined by that. They're fixed because the major label said, if you want to sell our songs, you've got to sell them at the price we determine that violates the Sherman Antitrust Act. Let, let's let's sort of wrap up, Scott. We're at over an hour here. Two two sort of final questions. What is your ultimate? Well, first, let me ask you this: What motivated you to to start this website and, and fight for musicians? What what is your what is your background? Why are you so passionate about this? I'm passionate about this because I worked in the music industry. Um, from the 70s and the 80s, and I got a job with a tip sheet, a trade magazine, and there were 13 or 14 of these magazines, Aaron. There was Hits and Hitmakers and Network 40s and Billboard and Cashbox <laughs> and FMQB and Monday Morning Replay, and most of the guys that owned these magazines were millionaires. Yeah. So, And then I realized that how they operated is is that the labels gave them tons of money and then they went to radio and they forced the same songs down the radio programmer's throat as if there was no payola law in other words, at all. In other words, the record industry could go directly to the radio industry and say, here, play this music and here's the money. The same pressure would be applied to them, but one huge difference. With the payola law, a bunch of millionaires were made out of people that didn't affect what music people heard and, and who could sell records. But the radio industry could. So if they got all these millions of dollars, they could, they could um, offer great products and great services to their listeners because they got the money and they'd say, we've got all these dollars. We want to make more dollars. How do we make more dollars? By making a great experience for our listeners. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. With the parole law there, the record labels paid a bunch of middlemen. And they were tip sheets like the one I worked for and independent record promoters and services like Active Industry Research, which was called AIR. And all these people made millions and millions of dollars getting between the record and radio industry and making all this money and then putting the same pressure on radio. So I realized a long time ago, Aaron, like 20 or 25 years ago, that if the payola wasn't there, the same thing would apply, but the radio industry would get the money and then they could do great things with that money to make great services for the bands that they promoted and the the um, listeners who listened to the music on their radio stations. Okay. Does that make sense to you? No, no I'm, I'm to it makes total sense. So that was sort of your initial motivation. When did you start this this web website? What motivated you to start this website and really rally behind this, this cause? 
Good question. Because I couldn't be in the music industry with it being a dysfunctional mess as it was. So I said to myself, the only thing that I'm passionate about in my life is music. I mean, it is the by far the thing that I love the most. And so I want to be in the music business. I tried as an artist and, and didn't make it. So I want to be in some facet of the music industry where I can help other artists reach the public. And I thought, it's so screwed up now, I can't do it. So I realized that the cause of this giant problem, and I didn't realize it at first, was this law called the Paola Law, because it broke up the synergy between the people that make music and the people that distribute it. Let me give you an example, and then we'll we'll talk later. Let's say, Aaron, pick a product. Pick any product that, that you like. I don't know, whatever food you like or whatever. Just pick some product. Um, I'm pretty passionate about toothpaste. <laughs> right on, man. So let's say you're a Pepsodent freak, all right? <laughs> so there's only one kind of toothpaste Pepsodent, and there's one distributor. Suppose there was a law that says that Toothpaste distributor couldn't make any money distributing Pepsodent. How good of an incentive would the distributor have to distribute that toothpaste if they couldn't make any money distributing it? I've, I follow the analogy, but I guess my counter argument would be that radio stations make money in other ways. But assuming oh they're, they're... no 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 they do they do make money in other ways. Through, through... Instead of helping bands, this is a really good point you brought up, yeah. and I thought it's. They spend all their time selling hamburgers and hairspray and soda pop and Geico car insurance. See, yeah. I don't care about any of that shit. What I'm interested in is music. Yeah. I want them to help me find bands that I want to listen to and support those bands. Yeah. And you're right. They have a really big incentive to make money selling that other crap. Selling but advertising. Yeah. Sell music. Yeah. So that's the problem with the payable law. They don't have any incentive to help promote music. And right. that's why it's a screwed up law, exactly as you pointed out. But isn't, you know, what I keep coming back to throughout this conversation, I mean, I mean, just in my own head, yeah. is, isn't the answer to all of this, like, as, as opposed to, like, fighting these, these existing laws, it seems like the Internet sort of addresses all of these issues. Like, the Internet is sort of the, this way to to bypass record labels to bypass radio stations why not focus i mean i'm not telling you where to focus your energy and passion i'm i'm totally i think it's cool what 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 you're doing i i, I uh, it's a very uh, enlightening conversation but but doesn't the internet sort of don't you see it as as a means to bypass all these these problems at least potentially yes i totally do yeah the internet is is a a tool that distributes music and sends music out to people and acquires feedback on what they like. And then it has the potential of allowing those people to monetarily support that act. You're completely right. Where is this? And why isn't it here? This, this model you're talking about. It's not because the most important link on the chain are the ones that distribute that music. And Aaron, the Paola Law took them out of the music industry. For 60 years, from the beginning of the music industry up until today. So why isn't this model you're talking about happening? Because the most important people in this chain are the ones that distribute the music and collect the feedback. And they're not even in the music industry. The, the, the radio station. So, so yeah. What, what, and, the, and, and we're talking, I told you before. Potentially they're Spotify. They're talking and... about this. 
about whether or not they're going to apply this dysfunctional, ridiculous law to all the streaming sites. So you said earlier, you said, hey, you know, radio, that was radio. And now we're getting into a point where, where there's this Spotify and Pandora. I mean, isn't radio yesterday's thing? I agree. It is yesterday's thing. And the new model that, that's coming into the front now are streaming sites like Pandora and Spotify. And I don't want the, pan, the, the payola law to go on those sites because the same thing's going to occur. It's going to be a disaster. Yeah. And if that, if, if payola laws did apply to Spotify and Pandora and sites like that, what would the re result be? Would it be that they can't play, um, independent artists that, that, that aren't signed to labels? How, how would that, how would that apply to those sites? It would be exactly the same as radio. The major three major labels that are left, Sony, Uni, and Warners, would somehow get around the payola law that they always have, and they'd use their money to get all their artists on the streaming sites. If you get rid of the payola law, all of a sudden, Pandora and Spotify and Google Play become de facto record labels, just yeah. like the film industry. Every time you ask a question, always think, how does the film industry work with Netflix and Amazon Prime? There's no payola law. They are now not only aggregating and curating product films, they're also producing their own. That's the way, exactly the way I want the music industry to be. And with a payola law, it's going to screw up that entire thing. I want bands to be able to go to Spotify and Pandora without a record label and have Pandora say, we love your music. We think it's going to make a lot of money. If we make you a lot of money, will you share a little bit of that money with us? Yes, 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 everybody wins. But with a payola law there, that likely won't happen. And it'll, this disaster that's occurred in the, in the music industry for the last 60 years will continue to the next 60 years as it goes from old fashioned terrestrial radio into streaming because the same law will be there for streaming sites that screwed up the terrestrial sites. And you, Aaron, are smart. You have not asked one dumb question. You have asked really, really good questions, and I applaud you for those questions. I do. Well, I have one more. Ho hopefully, it's a, g a good question. But, but yeah, w what about what about this? I mean, ultimately, the incentive for, I mean, ultimately, radio stations want to make money. They do that through advertising and sponsorship. Right now, isn't ultimately their objective to just play good music so that they make more money and they get more sponsors? Why do they need to directly benefit? monetarily from 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 artists how's how's like in other words why does that prevent radio stations from playing independent artists like if they're getting more listeners and people like the music they're going to get more sponsorship so how does that how does that law prevent them isn't it more about relationships and politics than than the payola law yeah that was a two-sided thing you just said you you mentioned one thing and then you gave a complete uh, 180 degree flip to, to another logic. Let me restate. Okay, go ahead. Yes, it's all about the relationships. And these three giant major labels with all the money have spent millions and millions of dollars to try to foster those great relationships. So if radio stations are going to play music, they normally are going to have a lot of pressure on to play the music with the labels that have the best relationships with them. And for some reason or other, you can, you know, you can deduce this for yourself. 
those relationships are the ones with all the money because they take those programmers out and they buy them expensive dinners and they do all this stuff for them. And then they fly the programmers all over the country to see artists. They do a bunch of stuff, Aaron, that the little labels without money cannot afford to do. Gotcha. Yeah. So you can't enforce the pale law. And that's what I'm saying. It would be a good law if you could enforce it, but right. it's never been enforced. It's impossible to enforce. Right. So basically what you're saying is you do have pay for, pay, pay for play. Radio stations are financially uh, benefiting f from whether it's backhand deals or under the table deals. One way or another, they're, they're, they're getting financial kickbacks in one form or another. And this is why they tend to not do business directly with, with independent artists. I could not have said it any more clearly and accurately and succinctly as you just said it. I'm sorry Don't. it took me 45 minutes to, to, uh, to arrive at that, that simple explanation. Now that makes sense to me. I mean, I mean, again, I guess if one way or another radio stations have to make money, it seems to me in a very pure sort of world, whatever music attracted the most listeners and brought in the more sponsorship would win at the end of the day. But obviously the world doesn't, doesn't work this way. Um, I admire what you're doing. I think it's a good cause. Aaron, I, th I think Aaron, it's a just, Aaron, just cause. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that by eliminating this law, it seems like corruption just no. sort of seeps into whatever. No, no, what you said, I totally want. That's exactly what I want. Yeah. What we want. What, what George Howard wants, what Nick Massetti, what, what the people that I'm dealing with right now, we all want that. We want yeah. radio and streaming sites to play the best music, regardless right. of what label, how much money they have. And that's what we want. I think that's what you want. You and I want the same things. I'm just saying the payola law makes it that impossible to happen because you can't enforce it. Can I leave you with a little story and then we'll Absol talk? Later? Absolutely. This is a story about a dozen mice, and these mice lived in a house. And one day, the owner of the house bought a cat with big teeth and long claws. And suddenly, the 12 mice began being eaten by the cat. So the 12 mice went down to 10, and the 10 mice went down to 8, and the 8 mice went down to 6, and they were noticing that the cat was eating all the mice. So the mice got together, Aaron, and had a, and had a conference and said, we're going to all be killed by this cat. What are we going to do? And one of the mice stood up and said, I've got the idea. I know what we should do. One of us will get a bell with the collar and put it around the cat's neck. And then when the cat walks up, it won't be able to step on its quiet pads. We'll be able to hear it coming. And all the mice let out this giant cheer and went, hooray, hooray. There's the idea that's going to save us. And then one of the mouse stood up and said, well, wait a minute. Which one of us is going to put the bell around the cat's neck? <laughs> In other words, it was a great idea. But if nobody could do it, it, it didn't really materialize into anything that was beneficial for the mice. See, Aaron, the payola law is like that. Yeah, it's a great yeah. idea, but it's impossible to enforce. Right. So what it did was, the unintended consequence it had was, it made a complete dysfunctional business model between the people that made the music, the artists, and the labels, and the ones that distributed that music to millions and millions of people, and established relationships with those millions of people, and got the feedback that the that the that the artists and the labels wanted. And now you've got this pale law. And what was the impact of the law? 
it didn't let the two halves of the equation do business together. Yeah. So it screwed up everything. Yeah. No, that no, that makes sense. I'm I'm totally, I'm totally getting getting the issue now. Um, and like you said, can you I know, can I suggest two things, Aaron? Yeah, absolutely. Number one, you're the smartest guy that I've talked with on a podcast. Don't tell the other guys I've done, but you are a devil's advocate. You asked really good questions, and I really appreciate you playing the because you asked some really sharp questions. Okay. Do two things for me. Sure. Go to Google and Google Emmanuel Seller and the Palo Law, and you'll find out about this racist guy and why the law came into being. Number two, go to musicrevolt.org and watch the film. There's a trailer that's three minutes long, but the film is only 33 minutes long. So, yep, uh, musicrevolt.org, and you have a film on there. What's the name of the film? Kill Switch. Kill Switch. And it's called, okay. it's called Kill Switch because that's the effect that the payola law had on the music industry. It killed synergy between the two facets of the business that had to have synergy or it wouldn't, it wouldn't, uh, work well. There's a, there's a article by a friend of mine. He just became a friend because we share the same passion and believe the same thing, uh, on Forbes magazine. His name is Nick Massetti. Mm-hmm. And if you, your email address, I'll send you the article and you can, you can read what Nick says. Okay, absolutely. Well, let, let's do this before I give you my email address. Let's sort of wrap up the podcast. So, yeah, um, yeah. everybody, check out Scott's uh, website, musicrevolt.org. I I really appreciate you doing this, Scott, and I apologize um, if I asked uh, questions that were overly combative. I I'm totally on the same page with you. I think all of us as musicians, at the end of the day, everybody just wants to figure out how to make money in, in this crazy, mixed-up industry. I don't know that it was ever easy to make money as a musician. I mean, it's always been, been sort of uh, a lofty goal in a way, but certainly any steps we can take as musicians to clean up the music industry and make it a more level and, and fair playing field uh, at the end of the day, is a good thing. So I really appreciate w- what you're uh, doing, Scott. Oh, uh, Aaron, thank you. I appreciate those kind words. And I want the same thing as you do. I want when a musician makes a song, and it's a good song, and a lot of people like that, I want to give the the fans a legal and fair way for them to support that artist. And I want the artist to make a great deal more of the percentage of the money than they currently do. And that's yeah. what you said sums it up perfectly. Uh, we want to cut out a lot of the crap and streamline the music industry and understand that with the internet, it's made sending music information and money the, a click of a mouse button away. So the music industry can be in a very efficient model. It's just we have to get together and go step by step to see if we can make that model. And the way to do that is to work together to try to achieve that and disperse information and just try to help musicians get their music to more people and get them compensated more fairly. Absolutely. And to have conversations like this where, where you know, you don't have all the answers, I don't have all the answers, but I think by, by musicians communicating like this on podcast and, and through, through email, in person, or, you know, whatever means possible, I think it's really important. It's something I think about a, a lot. I know there has to be a better way, and maybe by, by correcting some of these sort of errors of the music industry, we can move towards a, a better model that, that works better for, for everybody. So, Scott, thanks so much for doing this, and um, let's definitely keep in touch.